Hello and welcome to another edition of the Hoop Scoop podcast. The NBA Finals is wrapped up. The Milwaukee Bucks are the 2021 NBA champions. Congrats, Cream to, City. Congrats, Cream City. We've got a lot to talk about. Phil, we made it to the finish line. There's a lot to discuss. Before I kind of want to zoom out on both teams, I think we just got to talk a little bit about the game last night game six it was a good it was a fun one it was a fun one and it really did come down to the final quarter i believe it was a tie game going into the fourth yeah but at the end of the, yeah at the end of the day the story of the night is Giannis Antetokounmpo with an all-timer 50 points 14 rebounds just absolute Five dominance blocks. Five blocks. Suns didn't have any answers. <clears throat> I believe he hit a three, if we're even getting it so bold. He did it a three, and the free throws. And the free throws. 17 the free throws or 19 big from the foul line. Really not much to complain about in Giannis's game last night. Phil, is there anything else you want to touch on from last night besides Giannis? I mean, he was such a, a constant factor last night. It's kind of even. It's kind of hard to even think about anything else the Bucks did. But they pull it out. Giannis dominates. I don't know. What do you have? What What was your initial reaction, kind of watching that game, and then as it ended? Yeah. So I was kind of thinking. I was thinking in terms of Bud's coaching decisions that I was expecting Giannis to play almost the whole game, which I don't know the exact numbers, but he played a lot of game. I thought he was just going to run out his top five, and whatever happens, happens. Just push it full freight, forty-eight. But that that wasn't what happened. But basically, most of the not a lot of guys came in off the bench. You got production from BP and Connaughton. I think that's it. Did anybody else come in? Yeah, no Teague, no whatever. But yeah, the game started very rigid. Everyone seemed pretty nervous and tense, at least. And then, yeah, it kind of just solved it throughout. And then we got into the second quarter with the Chris Middleton three fouls. And I think there was probably, uh, I think there was five or six minutes left. And Bud just left him in and, they figured it out. They needed his offense, and it, it was worth the gamble. Um, after that, basically, Chris Paul was kind of weird. I want to ask you what you thought about Chris Paul's game because it seemed like he had spurts where he would play like his normal self and then go back to kind of the past few games where we'd see him be hesitant or just pass the ball and not really be in the offense. Yeah, I, I thought overall Chris Paul was solid, honestly. Uh, it's, you know, l- listen, when, when you when you have Chris Paul – and this is kind of the modern NBA. I thought that, I mean, he goes 11 for 19, but only one of those shots are threes. And Chris Paul, he's not a guy that's going to get to the line a ton, especially at this stage in his career. You know, he really, he's operating in that mid-range. He's not really getting into the teeth of the defense. So even though he can score at a high clip, you know, it's, it's a bunch of twos. So it looks really good. And I still think he had a solid game. 26 points and 19 shots is good. But you know, opposed to a guy that's going to kill you either at the line like Giannis did or, or with threes, the the value per shot just isn't as much as it would be for other players. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I do see what you're saying. Sometimes they probably could have used a little bit more in terms of offensive initiation, you know, five assists, three turnovers. So the pick and roll game, I think that's a big thing. The, the Chris Paul pick and roll, uh, with DeAndre Ayton, ever since kind of the first two games where Phoenix was taking care of business, it just didn't really go smoothly, and they didn't get a ton of easy looks. 
and they weren't spraying the ball out to the to the corners. And I think that's part of part of that is an adjustment from Milwaukee. So, although I think Chris Paul played solid and scored the ball decently, didn't affect the game as much as a classic Chris Paul game would, where you know he's he's getting a bunch of easy lobs to his big men, he's kicking it out for threes. I thought Chris Paul was decent. Uh, I don't think he was a huge problem. Overall for Phoenix, yeah. I just they, they didn't shoot the ball well enough. I think that's a huge thing. Six for 25 from three. Missed a bunch of open shots at the end of the game, especially. Jay Crowder, not his best effort. Two for nine from three. Devin Booker over seven from three. That's just hard to overcome when you get a, an all-time game from Giannis like that. You got to shoot the ball better. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't saying Chris Paul had a bad game, but when you're watching it, you could see that there was maybe three offensive possessions in a row where he would run the pick and roll to the typical standard they did the first two games where he's attacking or he's throwing that lob or, and then basically the next five to 10 possessions, he would kind of take it off and like he would defer to someone else and let them try to run that pick and roll. Or when he got to the pick and roll, he did DeAndre Aiden way too early. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Aiden because it seemed like mm. the physicality got to him. Mm. And once that happened, it kind of stymied the pick and roll because it was just like Chris Paul has the ball. He's either going to take a midi or he's going to pass out of it. There's no DeAndre Ayton, you know, whatever valve. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ayton wasn't wasn't a factor tonight. Four for 12 from the field. And, yeah, quite honestly, didn't – seemed a little bit phased, I think, by the physicality that Giannis was was giving him on one end and then on offensively was a little bit timid. Only one offensive rebound. That's a, you know, when, when Aiton is not getting you offensive boards, his offensive production usually is pretty limited. And especially when he's missing those bunnies like he was tonight. It was, it was probably his worst game of the finals, which is going to like, and that's pretty much the, the game in a show, right? You, you don't get good shooting and DeAndre Aiton isn't impacting the, the, the game on the glass. Phoenix doesn't really have the firepower to keep up with, a, you know Giannis when he's doing that and you know the Bucks we we touched on it didn't get great production from everybody only five players scored and they didn't shoot the ball particularly well either only six for 27 from three but Giannis was just so dominant and it seemed like every time he got a touch they were getting a good look and they were get they were getting pressure on the offensive boards and you know they, they still managed 11 offensive rebounds as a team opposed to six for the Suns so the, the in a in a game where neither team is shooting the lights out, it's going to favor Milwaukee because of their physicality and because of Giannis's ability to just kind of get whatever he, they wanted. Phoenix was never really able to form the wall. It's And a part of that, I think, is Giannis' adjustment. You know, they definitely, they definitely formed a wall. Yes, it wasn't a good wall, though. It was a <laughs> – and uh, I think part of that's personnel. Like, the Suns, across the board, you know, Aiton did his best, but – the wings, I don't think, were really qualified to, to do help. I mean, like Giannis, anytime Bridges or Crowder kind of dug in on a Giannis drive, it on it just seemed like it was more likely for a foul. Like he wasn't, it wasn't bothering Giannis. All it was doing was an extra arm he had to go through. There weren't, he wasn't seeing bodies. So, yeah, one yeah, of, all that. Com- yeah, go quick go thing it. on that. One thing I picked up on was no one cared. No one gave a shit. PJ Tucker was on the floor. He was in the corner yeah. for the majority. Never got the ball. People would typically, I mean, obviously you're going to have to come in on, to start that Giannis wall, but people were going early, leaving P.J. Tucker in the corner, and the Bucks didn't even want to give it to him. Suns didn't even want to guard him. He was just kind of there. 
to be honest, yeah. Giannis was getting walled off with like three to two, two or three guys. The Bucks were playing kind of five on four. He only came in for like an offensive board, and that was that might have been it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like the the, the Bucks didn't get great production overall. Yeah, PJ Tucker was pretty much non-existent on offense. He took one shot the whole game. Defensively, he gave good effort, and uh, yeah, like. Listen, Giannis took him home, 50 points, 50 points. And in a game that wasn't particularly high scoring, you know, this wasn't a game that went to the 130s. 105 points, Giannis scored 50 of them. So, yeah, that tells you the story. Uh, so, yeah, listen, let's – uh, if you don't mind, Phil, I kind of want to zoom out for a second on both teams. Uh, Can we zoom in into one, one fun thing right at the end? <clears throat> yeah, so let's, let's, let's zoom in for a second. How awkward Adam Silver was at the, at the press – Right at the end when he was doing the awards, that that whole thing was a mess. <laughs> he was so weird. He just had a weird grin on his face the whole time. He's like, oh, I don't know what's going. On. What am I doing here? And then the thing with Giannis, where he was trying to give him the award, and they didn't even like doing it. They just got their like obligated obligatory photo op, and then that was it. No handshake, yeah. no hug, whatever. Yeah, it was. Thing kind of weird there's so many people on the court too i I, I, I didn't, of people yeah i didn't know what like who they were like were fans just walking on i don't know it was weird i kind of like it better when it's just the team you know like family. front office front office people yeah a few family and friends and like you can actually see what's going on i don't know it looked weird the whole thing was weird honestly the the, the post-game celebration but yeah. uh <clears throat> they also didn't show any of the deer yeah. district outside i want to see that I want to see mm-hmm. the bedlam that would ensue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, can we zoom out, Phil? Yeah, I'm, I'm done. Okay. Let's zoom out on both teams. I want to start with the Bucks. start with the winners. So, what else is there to say, right? I mean, this is a team that – and I'll, I'll kind of preface it, and then I, you can take it any direction you want. You know, this is a team that, going into the playoffs, there was a lot of questions, you know, Starting in round one, people thought that round one was going to be a real test. And, you know, you you yourself picked Miami. And I wasn't mad mad at the pick. You know, I I got it. But uh, listen, they take care of business in round one, sweep the heat. So right there, an accomplishment. Round two, Brooklyn. Listen, obviously, they get a break. Okay. The Nets, injuries, it sucks. It happens. All right. But people wrote this team off after that game five debacle where they give up, I believe, a 17-point lead, and KD just steps on their throats, does all that crazy stuff. As well as the three-point line? Yes. Well, in game (laughs) seven, he does that. Well, puts a toe Um, on it, yeah. Just good time to slide it in. But, hey, Milwaukee comes back, resilient, win the next two, win game seven on the road. I don't care who you're playing. Winning a game seven on the road is difficult. Giannis scores 40 points in the game seven. An accomplishment right there. And then the Eastern Conference Finals, you match up with Atlanta. Again, you get a little bit of injury luck with Trey, but the Bucks have their own injury to deal with too with Giannis. And Drew and Chris, the two guys who they needed all the way to the very bitter end, they needed them to, to produce in one way or another. They bring them home the Eastern Conference Finals. And then the Finals coming back from 2-0. Only the fifth team in NBA history come back from 2-0 to win the NBA Finals. So, listen, whatever you want to say about the Bucks, whether, you know, you don't like Giannis, the way he plays, whether you think they caught injury breaks. Yeah, they caught a little bit of injury break, but that happens. And you have to be in a position as an NBA franchise where 
if another team slips up or an injury break goes your way, whatever the case may be, you have to be in a position where you're able to pounce. And that's what the Bucks did. And they deserve the title. Giannis, you really can't slam anymore. I mean, we'll rank our players soon. I don't think you can say he's anything worse than the second best player in the world right now. And, you know, he's a different animal. He's a unique player, one of one. Coach Bud, I think, kind of proved a lot of people wrong. I thought he had a really nice finals coaching. Drew, although another offensive dud last night, defensively, he's always going to show up. They've matched him up with Devin Booker. He shows out. And Chris Middleton, is a he's a bona fide scorer. And although he wasn't, you know, elite last night, made a huge bucket at the end where it seems like the Suns are kind of inching forward. And he hits a big mid-range two contested to kind of give them, I think, an eight-point lead with not much time left. So, listen, whatever you want to say about the Bucks, they're NBA champions. They deserved it. And as a fan, whatever, as a, in the front office, like, the pressure's kind of off the next couple of years, you know. They got their ring. They earned it. And this this is a great team. There's a great team with a great player. And, yeah, and I, <clears> I'm happy they the won. I think it's good for the thing. league, Phil. Yeah, no, it's good. I hate the people that are going to say this is asterisks, all these injuries, yada, yada. But realistically, every single year, something breaks the wrong way for some team and that inevitably leaves them vulnerable. You're not going to have a perfect final or a perfect playoff run. Someone's going to get dinged up or something's going to happen where they're not 100%. It's the way it goes. It happened with the Clippers, not the Clippers, the Kawhi Toronto. It happened with the Warriors. They broke or even with Kyrie and Kevin Love coming out in their first championship, stuff like that. That was only the last five years. It happens all the time. Yeah, and it and the thing is this: it, it happened to the Bucks also. <laughs> you know, yeah, we saw we saw Giannis's knee fold like a lawn chair, and they were still able to win a game. Yes, Trey was hurt, but they were still able to win a game. You know, an NBA playoff game. I think it was on the road because it was Game Six, if I remember correctly, and they were able to win that game without their best player. So listen, it's not like they were scot free either. <laughs> Yeah, oh, definitely. But yeah, um, I want to get your thoughts on Giannis. You you mentioned you think he's top two at the moment. Is it top two not two, or is it top two? Uh, yeah, I think I still think Kevin Durant's the best player in the world just because of his ability. I mean, he he's the best. Not to think this is a Durant segment, but you know, he's he's the best one man offense in the league, and I still do think playoff basketball. That's probably the most important thing. He can manufacture offense out of nothing. And Giannis can do that too, to an extent, of course. And that's why let's think that's why he's so great. But uh yeah, I think he's the second best player in the world right now, which is, you know, unbelievable. And <laughs> that's uh that's high, that's high praise. If you were if you were to tell me you think he's the best, I got no issue with that. He's probably the best two way player in the league right now. Defensively, he's been an animal the whole entire playoff, the best help defender in the league, one of the best rim protectors. And a pretty decent one-on-one guy also. I thought he was pretty nice on switches all series, whether it was on Booker, Chris Paul. He had to make some tough shots, but he held his own. So, yeah, yeah I think I was the second-best player in the in the league. All right. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. I haven't sat down and narrowed out my top 40, let alone my top five. But I think the last time we checked in, it was like we both had some kind of combination of KD, Kawhi, and Giannis was probably the third. Yeah, and I had him fifth going into the year, so he elevated for me for sure. Yeah. All right, well, I want to ask about Giannis's dominance on the free throw line because barring the one three he made, he goes into next season and he's 
decent from the free throw line above 80%, you know, not a lot, but above 80%. And he just plays the exact same way he has been playing. Does he even need the shot? Is it that much dominance that we've never seen this kind of formation of how someone plays? Yeah, I don't think he needs the three. Uh, but he made a lot of shots last night that were like that. I, I really think he could kind of look at, like look at the film in the off season and, and perfect. Yeah. I think that little, that little short range fall away. That's an awesome shot because when he gets turnaround. that, yeah, the, the turnaround. And then also that shot where he's kind of going full steam and it's like a, it's like a mini Dirk kind of one legged fade, but it's from like six feet away. Uh, if, because <laughs> if he can get that shot, that's a really nice take because the, def- yeah. the the defensive momentum is all going backwards. So if he can get that space and he's so strong, it's not like he has to get a lot of lift. If he can perfect that shot, then that's a great, that's a great move. Uh, just continuing to work on his touch around the hoop. Like, I don't think he needs to shoot threes. Uh, I don't think, I don't think he needs to shoot threes at all. Uh, like he's a, he spaces the court in different ways. You know, he, the way that his gravity, when he has the ball, when he's going downhill, like he, he doesn't have to roam around the three point line. If he can dominate, in that mid range and force them to foul him. And as you said, make foul shots at a decent clip. You know, if he took, if he could somehow get back to, you know, 75% ish, then, and, and then get a couple of those touch shots in the paint, then that, that's how he turns into the best player in the world for me. Even though right now he's, he's great. It's not really, yeah, he's, you know, he's close. we're nitpicking, but. All right. What else do you have on your, your zoom out? I want to zoom out on the Suns now. I want to zoom All out right. on the Suns. We got to talk Suns for a little bit. Uh, coming out of this game. Before we, before we go yeah. Suns, can we go bud into Suns? Because I think a Let's large go. part of his mm-hmm. his game plan was to get Giannis to just attack early and get Aiton into foul trouble. Because that's what it was. He had, he had his fifth foul with eight minutes to go in the fourth. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought Bud I thought Bud coached a good series overall. Um I thought his rotations were pretty crisp. I thought he was going to make adjustments. He wasn't afraid of kind of going away from, you know, what he might have been comfortable with. Play by Portis when he needed to. Play Brook Lopez when he needed to. Overall, I thought it was a good series for Bud. And listen, I mean, it's Giannis made the place, so I'm not. I don't want to like act like he was the reason, but right. I do think that he did his job, and you know. Uh, the slander was a little ridiculous to start, and there's you can't slander him now. I thought he coached a pretty good series. Yeah, he was on the uh, <clears throat> he was on the brink of going with getting the unemployment line, but now he's he's cemented. Yeah. All right. What are, what do you got for the Suns? Who do you yeah, wanna, I just who, who uh, do you poop just, on first. I don't want to poop on anybody. I don't want to poop on anybody. I want to talk about the I want to talk about the team in general and kind of where we go next with this with this team because good season a really good season that not a lot of people expected you make the NBA finals but it stings to lose this way it stings to cough up a 2-0 lead and this is a team where the future is uncertain I know there's a lot to be optimistic about Devin Booker although he didn't play great last night you got to be happy with what you saw from him overall this postseason. DeAndre Ayton, another guy that didn't play great last night, but made major strides throughout the playoff. You have role players like Cam Johnson, McCall Bridges, who showed they can be good in their role, although I'm not, I don't think they really have star potential. But, you know, those are good guys to have on your team. Chris Paul, obviously the wild card, unrestricted free agency. 
I it's it's a weird spot this team is in because this was their opportunity. It seems like, uh, especially with kind of the injury breaks they got to the Los Angeles Clippers with Kawhi getting hurt, the Lakers with AD, the Nuggets with Jamal Murray. You know, every team they played had one of their two best players out. So they really kind of got lucky, even though I don't want to say they didn't earn it because they did. And they surprised me. They had a really good season, but you're probably not going to be that lucky again. And obviously the, the situation of Chris Paul's uncertain. I don't, I don't know. What do you make of, of them going forward, Phil? Like what do you think is going to happen with Chris Paul? Uh, I, yeah, I don't take it whatever direction you want. Yeah, I want to go. <clears throat> I think Chris Paul. It's either he he thinks of it as we're this close away, we're this piece away from getting there, and the Suns are legitimately serious they could get that piece, or Chris Paul thinks that was a flash in the pan. We had our opportunity and it botched. Yeah. I think it's the latter. Realistically, <laughs> the way the Suns are breaking out, or the Suns are going to be broken down, is. Um, Tory Craig, uh, Cameron Payne, and there's one other key guy I can't think of, but they're all going to be free agents and they're all going to expect a considerable amount more money. Tory Craig was on, I don't even know, it might have been a vet minimum. And mm. he could go anywhere now and be a decent role player. He is a decent role player, but now he's got that chance to show it when he was on the Suns. So they're going to lose a lot of their depth. And I think Chris Paul is going to see the, you know, the writing on the wall and try to think of somewhere else where he'd be it'd be advantageous to try to win a championship i don't know where that'd be but that's my thought can't say i know anything but the guess yeah it's 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 tough for chris ball because you know you kind of you kind of you smelt it but you couldn't taste it and yeah he knows you know he's not dumb he knows that this was probably the best opportunity for this roster this is a very good team this is a very good team Devin booker's a very good player John Drayton's a nice, a nice young center, but this, this isn't a great team. And I don't think, you know, like say for, obviously this is clearly not going to happen, but say every roster was the same going to next year. I don't think anybody's picking Phoenix to win the title. So when to you be do, fair, like, I don't think anyone's picking Milwaukee either. Valid, valid. But that's but, a, but listen, but the thing argue, is this, Phil, different argument. just throwing it out there. No, you're right. And, but the thing is this, like we would be having this exact same conversation but vice versa, you know, so yeah, that's why it was so it was I, I really think that, you know, d- like the narrative was so strong with, oh, this is Chris Paul's last chance. Like, I mean, this stuff's so fragile and we kind of know both these teams caught breaks that like this was Giannis's best chance. And, you know, this t- and, and that and they were so they're so locked into their roster. It was kind of hard to see they didn't get it done this year when they would, because we know Brooklyn's coming. We know the Lakers are going to be back. The Clippers obviously are kind of in limbo with the quiet situation. But you got Lakers, you got Nets, Nuggets, what's going on with them. So, yeah, for both of these teams. But now that the Bucks got their title, the pressure's kind of off. Yeah, no, they can chill. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see what the Suns decide to do. I mean, or what Chris Paul decides to do should be the better way to phrase it. Because I'm sure they'd love to have him back. And they'd love to run this, this team back and see what they can do. But – the ball's kind of in his court and what can I also know, does, add a yeah may I add a prohibitive you also got to start thinking about uh rookie extensions going down the line I don't know what year exactly DeAndre Eaton's in the in the mix or cards for extension nor Miko Bridges but 
you got to start putting that into the budget and start pulling it out. Like we've got to have this kind of money set aside if we really want to keep this guy, if he's yeah, worth yeah. this much. And mm-hmm. so that tied in with the guys you're going to have to try to keep around this summer as well as Chris Paul. It's like, it, it might not work. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. I think Chris Paul knows that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he definitely does. And it's going to be an interesting offseason. Uh, the, the Suns, it was, it was a good year. But when you get that close and you're not going to get done, it, it, it hurts for sure. So... Yeah, there. We, I mean, there we have it, Phil. We got it's the off season officially, and Milwaukee Bucks are champions. So we can kind of, you know, that they'll they'll probably kind of just hang out, and you know, their team's probably gonna be pretty similar going to next year. So I don't want to make it a too much of an off season pod, Phil. But well, if we go your... back to the we go back to Game Seven for a quick second. I had two things Game I wanted to touch on. Game Six, you mean? Game Six, Game Six. Um, the physicality was unmatched in any other of the games no no other game was that physical there mm-hmm. were times where there were they let guys play theoretically when Devin Booker should have fouled out um, a few times uh, but this was a this is a really grinded out game Devin Booker and Chris Paul seem to be trying to get those foul calls that you know typically come 50 percent of the time when they're doing those specific drives and they just couldn't get them it seemed like this was more physically favored for the Bucks because of the physicality overall yeah. And then there was just the threes that for some reason the Suns kept trying. It was it felt it was nowhere near close, but it felt like that Rocket series against the Warriors where they missed a whole bunch in a row. I think it was twenty seven. But the Suns just kept going and going back to the well and how many Jay Crowder misses can you stomach before you're like, We gotta change it up? Yeah, for sure. Um Yeah, for sure. Like the the, the free throw the free throw difference was was big. Um, I mean, Giannis outshot them free throw wise, and I don't think yeah. it was a matter of bad calls. I think it was just it was a hard game to officiate, super physical, and sometimes it was kind of, the line was kind of blurred as to what a foul even was. But from the from a physical standpoint, the buck like that kind of game favors the Bucks is the bottom line. And in a game where the shots, it's it's tough to kind of even get space to hit a three, and you know. Sh- Getting open looks, they're tough to come by. And when when these teams were getting looks, they weren't hitting them. The Bucks, they're favored in that kind of matchup. But yeah, you're right. The, the the open threes was tough. Jay Crowder missed a bunch at the end. Devin Booker missed some some open shots. You just can't. It's it's hard to overcome that stuff. Uh, I mean, realistically, Phil, the Suns should have won Game Five. And Game, this was going to be a, this was going to be a tough one on the road, but that's why you that's why you work so hard for home court advantage. Uh, and losing game five, it felt like a gut punch. It felt like something they couldn't overcome. And I, I at the end, I do think that was it, it was so huge to not get that to not get that game five W. Um, and yeah, they put them in a position where they had where they no longer had the home court advantage, and they had to win in Milwaukee, which 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 was clearly tough, and they couldn't get it done. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, now I guess now we go to off season. Do you have anything else you want to touch on before we before we put um, a bookend in this? Can I ask about Devin Booker? What specifically? I don't know. Where? Like, <clears throat> what do you think of Devin Booker coming into this postseason, and what do you think of him coming out of this postseason? Uh, I think you know I was always high on Devin Booker as relative to the average. I wasn't like, oh, he's top 10, no no doubt. He's crazy. But I was always higher on Devin Booker than most. 
going into the playoffs. I liked the way he was playing. He was dominant throughout most of the playoffs. He had his, you know, streaky moments where he would his games would kind of drop down, but still it was within the, the means of being still a very good player. Like he would still have or hit at least 20 points when he was having down games when he wasn't playing in the finals. But yeah, coming out of first two games, people started to really, really cement the Suns as the, the title champs. And Devin Booker was like, is he a top 10 guy? Is, is Chris Paul in there too? It was like top five, top five. <laughs> I mean, if he won FMVP, he's best player all time. Yep. But um, of course it's joking, but yeah. So I just, I think Devin Booker had his opportunity and he really could have cemented himself in the higher status in terms of what general consensus is but I still think he's a really good player. Is he in my top 20? Yes. Is he high up on there? No. Yeah. Uh, Booker's really good, but he's really, he's really good. I, I, I think higher of him than I did before the playoff. And I think he had some awesome games that are kind of going to go forgotten just because recency bias. And that's how the memory works. And I don't blame people for that. I get it. Yeah. But if you kind if you look at the, the game lock from this playoff, he really had some unbelievable games. I mean, going back to round one in game six, he scored 47 against the Lakers uh, when the Suns were kind of struggling. They, You know, if you remember that that series, they that game six, they get off to that huge lead without AD. And then the second half, it kind of starts crumbling, and the Suns' offense kind of looks like crap. And Devin Booker is just hitting miracle shots, scores 47 points on 22 shots. So I think he had a really good playoff, and I think very highly of him and uh, – yeah, I, th- I think he has the, the talent to be a top 10 guy. Yeah. Suns. Yeah. I, listen, the Suns, I don't think had enough and they, they didn't have enough to withstand a, a poor shooting night like that from Devin Booker. You know, um, I mean, would Dario Sarge yeah. being in the picture, make a difference for you. Definitely would have helped. Definitely would have helped. And, you know, playing Fran Kaminsky last night, it was kind of a, it, it was kind of a, a, a call for help on Monty Williams. end. he actually played decent. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think they had great matchups for Giannis regardless, and that was kind of the difference. You know, they, they, they didn't know what to do with him, so they were going to need to shoot the ball well enough to keep up with Giannis' production, and they didn't. They didn't, I think, and I think that, like, a lot of stuff happened in the game. I thought the defensive matchups were important. Drew did really well on, on Devin Booker. I mean, we can't forget, even though Drew had another poor shooting night, only four for 19 from the field, only made two threes out of seven of them. But defensively, and that's the thing about it kind of actually pivots to this different conversation, Phil. And uh, I don't know if you have anything to talk about it where defensive minded players, right? So, and players that, and listen, Drew's not just defensive minded player. We saw last, last game that he could be an elite shot maker on certain nights. But guys who kind of tip their hat on defense, and that's one of their calling cards. Shot making will come and go, and sometimes the ball is just not going to go down. But defensive production is pretty constant, and I think that's you know like looking at a guy like Draymond Green, even looking at a guy like Ben Simmons, even though we all kind of crap on him and rightfully so, he was really bad. But players that are high end defensive difference makers, that stuff doesn't really waver. You know, like that 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 stuff's gonna gonna happen night in night out unless there's a poor matchup or whatever. So. You know, Drew, a guy that you bring in to give you offensive production as well, even when he's not shooting the ball, he can make a huge impact. Uh, and I, th- I think that's what's special about those those defensive – or those two-way players even. Same thing with Giannis. Same thing with Giannis. And, you know, Giannis impacts the game on both ends. And even when maybe the, the offense is, is shaky, 
he's still such a valuable defensive player. And I think the Bucks have a few of those guys. Yeah, definitely. Um, Drew Holiday kind of gets undervalued. Even just people peg him as just a defensive player, but he, the way he reads the game and the way he acts on offense, he does kind of change how even the Suns specifically in the finals had to guard the Bucks. He was making cuts. He was a very, he's a high IQ guy. He knows how to different teams get stuck out of their positions and their defensive scheme kind of gets flummoxed. And then Giannis has an open or Chris Middleton gets a shot. But yeah. He does a lot of the little things and you always need that in your third or fourth guy. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. But um, one quick thing on the Suns: how much better do you think they would have been with another big kind of basically JaVale McGee? If he was on the Suns, how much of a difference would that have made? <sighs> I mean, it would have been nice to have a backup center. They definitely could have used them. But I, I really think that the mo- it would have – I think if they had w- another wing playmaker, that would have been better. Like, I'm, like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, th- I'll throw a player at you. And this isn't like yeah. a, world, a world beater. But <laughs> you just throw PG on there? No, like a guy like, uh, like Boyan Bogdanovich, right? So a player that can hit threes at a high clip and do a little bit of playmaking at a pick and roll – you know, attack closeouts, like a guy like that, you know, just, just one more player that you can throw the ball to and defense a rotation. He can make a couple of dribbles, make a play, whatever, you know, hit a couple threes off the dribble, do, do whatever. It, it was a lot on Chris Paul and Devin Booker's shoulders. And uh, yeah, I think that, I think that was really what they're missing more so in the backup center because they weren't going to stop Giannis. They, I mean, Giannis figured some stuff out this series. That was just like all time. I mean, you know, you don't just yeah, walk no, into that's... 50 points based on a bad matchup. I, offensively, even though their offense was good most of the series, last night it wasn't, and they really could have used one more playmaker on the perimeter because when Booker's not shooting the ball great and Chris Paul's playing decent, but it's just kind of a lot of mid-range pull-ups. He's, he's keeping you in there, but you know Chris Paul's not he's, – he's not somebody that's going like to break the game open like Dame. Uh, I think they really could have used one more guy on the wing to help him out uh, with offense production and shot creation. That's fair. I still kind of stay with my someone like JaVale McGee type backup center just for off of watching Frank Kaminsky minutes and even Darius Sarge early. They would try to run the exact same action where they would just mimic whoever the big man was and mimic DeAndre Ayton's actions. And mm-hmm. it just didn't work. At the very least, you need a vertical spacer that can you know make a difference like DeAndre Ayton does, but DeAndre Ayton does so much more. So having the, the minimal... JaVale McGee type of vertical space or Nerlens Noel, whoever it may be, you know? Yes. Even Rayshon Holmes, who was on the team a year or two ago, mm-hmm. that would have made all the difference, in my opinion. Because at that point, the Aboyan, he's not going to be able to guard Giannis to any effect, which he's really not going to be. But having that backup offense is nice. But realistically, Chris and Paul is going to have the ball in his hands with Devin Booker. And they love the way Monty Williams has the offense set up. It seems like they do that pick and roll do or die like if it, have, if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen but they're gonna try yeah 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 that's valid that's valid phil all right any off season um we got free agency on august 2nd i believe it starts and now we go into the draft um i don't want to do too much off season but what's your what's your biggest thing that you're watching for just one thing um uh, biggest thing, me personally, biased included, uh, I'm watching Colin Sexton see what happens. Do the Knicks mm. get a deal? Do they swing a deal? 
I'm hearing Derek White, DeJounte Murray, context and all of it, all the names. And the Knicks might be able to steal one with a with an OB top and Kevin Knox in a pick package. I don't think that's how it goes, but if that happens, I'd be very interested. Hmm. What's your what's your one thing? Uh, I just I think the Dame saga is the story of the summer. I'm not really sure where it's gonna go. It seems it just seems like things are training the direction of a mutual parting of ways. I think it would be both best for both parties. But Dame's kind of toned the line. You know, he's not making any outright statements. Like, he's, he's saying, like, I just want changes to be made. It's like, Dame, there's no changes to be made, man. <laughs> I mean, like... We'll, the biggest change is you now have Norman Powell, but it costs you more money. Yeah, I mean, he's, like, saying that to kind of take the... Own, the kind of, Balls like, in their court. Yeah, but it's like, if you... I mean, if you have eyes, you can tell. This is the team, and they don't have the assets to majorly upgrade it, and he knows that. So he's kind of holding on to the narrative if he wants to be there, but he knows, and we all know, and I think the team knows, that it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Very uh, very sad, very sticky. We'll see what happens. That is an interesting one. You think it's going to lean into the season? Dame's going to start the season as a blazer? I don't. I you don't. don't? Okay. Nope. No, I think he's going to be traded this offseason. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so, anything else? Any other thoughts? How is your best yeah. – what's your best Knicks sim? If anybody doesn't know, there's a – the KnicksWall.com has an offseason simulator for specifically the Knicks. Yeah. I mean, I haven't gotten Kawhi yet. I get I get Sexton every time. So <laughs> Scoop them up. Yeah. They, not, none of the other free agents want to sign. Larry never wants to sign. Uh. I haven't yeah. even tried Lowry. Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie never wants to sign. So, who even is my point guard usually? I mean, I, I guess I run Sexton, RJ. Who's my three? I don't even know. Otto Porter usually signs, I think. You get with Otto Porter. I always am tempted <laughs> by him, but he's he's pricey, at least in their standards. Some of those, some of those guys are pricey. They put Cody Zeller at like <laughs> Cody 18, Zeller deserves 18 million a, a year or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I usually end with Sexton, Robinson, RJ, Julius, yeah. and Mitch. The yeah. usual. Yeah, that's fair. All right, Phil. I think that'll do it for us. Um, we'll be back soon. Top 40 next? We'll have to do top 40. You want to do, you want to set a hard deadline? Do top 40 next week? Yeah. Really, really put the onus on us. Put the ball in our court. All fans must. Now get to us and make sure we get those done. Yeah, yeah, I think so. You're more than halfway through. I'm, I'll be done by the end, end of the day. I'm not uh, doing it with numbers. I'm doing it. I'm doing it by feel. I'll start it by the end of the day. Yeah. All right. All right. Well. All right. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Hoops Pod. Let's do us on all platforms. See you guys. Peace. Peace.